Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, or welcome back if you are a returning listener. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, I've been doing some interviews lately in my interview series called You're Not Alone. This one is not an interview. I'm actually going to be following up on some information that Ann Hintz shared in the most recent interview about emotional freedom technique. Funny kind of thing I've learned uh, as I've been kind of pushing through all of the technical stuff of doing interviews with podcasting. (laughs) It's definitely a learning curve going from solo doing things by yourself to involving someone else. And I am not only doing some in-house interviews, but also remote interviews. And uh, the remote ones are different. And you have to make sure there's a lot of technical stuff that's working correctly, which I think I've said before on numerous occasions, this is not my wheelhouse, (laughs) but I've just had to sort of knuckle down and figure it out anyway. Well, one of the things that I've learned is that when I am with a guest, I tend to speak louder. (laughs) I didn't realize this about myself until the editing uh, process and I'm like, my gosh, Dana, why are you why are you so loud? And I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel like I, that happens to me when I'm in therapy as well. And I think that I just get so excited, just jazzed um, being with someone else and talking to them and interacting with them that I just, my voice raises with my level of engagement and I don't even realize it until I'm trying to edit the episode and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to find a way to tone this down so I don't blow the listeners right out of their seats. So anyway, (laughs) I've already checked myself out. So I feel like my voice is within normal limits at this time. (laughs) Well, getting back to emotional freedom technique, I'll have to say that I haven't really spent much time at all trying to learn EFT during the years of being in private practice. I focused more on uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and trauma work, um, doing a lot of internal family system work, attachment theories, exposure and response prevention, which is very good Uh, with anxiety issues, especially OCD, uh, prolonged exposure, which that's part of trauma work as well, learning things about mindfulness and other um, protocol that's very effective for anxiety issues. And I had heard about EFT along the way, but I just never really put much effort 
into learning about it. To be honest, I just was up to my eyeballs in what I already had in my lap, and it was serving my patients well, and I just didn't have time to learn it. Well, that's a lie. That's not really true now, is it? I, I did have time if I had decided to do it. Just for some reason, I decided to fill up my time with other things instead of learning the emotional freedom technique. And to be honest, I can even remember going to a trauma-based workshop where she brought up, the instructor brought up EFT. And I'm going to be um, referencing some of her material here as we go through the episode. And she had us go through some tapping in the uh, workshop. And... (laughs) So you have to know about me that I have this part of myself that sits kind of in the back of my mind that kind of has its arms crossed going, yeah, but really, I mean, is this, does this have research backing? Is this really true? Or is this just a bunch of hooey? Is this something someone came up with that sounds like a good idea, but there's really no backing behind it. So I'll have to admit, I was sitting there in the workshop and I was doing all the tapping points. I was feeling kind of silly, not going to lie. And it didn't really have much an impact on me at all in the workshop. And so I just kind of dismissed it. I thought, well, that might be nice for somebody else, but that's just not for me. Okay, no judging. They're each to his own. Well, since Ann Hintz came and did the interview with me, I just became much more interested after hearing her story about the difference that it made in her life. So I thought, you know, I think I'm going to decide to allocate some time to learning about the emotional freedom technique. And so I started looking up different places and I really already had a lot with me. I also looked up something on healthline.com that had some interesting information as well about uh, tapping. I will put all of this in the show notes. So if you don't catch this as I'm saying it, that's okay. Uh, It'll be in the show notes. But really, tapping is uh, what a lot of people call emotional freedom technique. I remember reading an article fairly recently, and I think I mentioned this in the interview with Ann Hintz, about uh, teachers or um, the school counselors teaching the children in elementary school how to do this tapping technique on the meridian points so that when they started to become upset or anxious about something that they could do tapping and it would calm them down and they were getting positive results. So I'm thinking, you know, I think I need to really allocate some time and learn more about this. And of course for me, You know, the bottom line is, you know, does it really work? Does this really work? Ain't nobody got time to spend on stuff that doesn't really work and doesn't have research backing. I just don't have a lot of interest in in that type of thing. And so there's a lot, actually, of research backing. The material that I have here indicates that it's been used effectively to treat war veterans and uh, active military with PTSD. There was a study done in 2013 uh, where researchers studied the impact of EFT tapping 
on veterans with uh, PTSD, and they studied it against those who just were receiving standard care. And within a month, participants who were doing the EFT coaching sessions had significantly reduced their psychological stress. And more than half of the EFT test group no longer even fit the category or the criteria for PTSD, which, wow, okay. There was another review in 2016 comparing the effectiveness of EFT over standard care options for anxiety symptoms, which I was very interested in that because anxiety issues are some of my favorite things to deal with. Um, And this particular study concluded that there was a significant decrease in anxiety scores compared to participants receiving other care. But there is more research that's needed. I think anybody, well, most people are going to say that. that It's always good to have more research, uh, more reliability, make sure that the results are being replicated in other studies. But that sounds pretty darn good. And also... I have referenced a book before that I absolutely love, and I'm going to reference it again. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, spelled K-O-L-K, M-D. And again, that's going to be in the show notes. But there is a place in that book, and I've read it several times. Like I've said before, I do a lot of trauma work, and there's just wonderful material in this book, especially for those of us who have been in trauma work for a while, you know, you can read a book and you know when something actually is is spot on because you've experienced those things with your patients. It's not just uh, a lesson or an exercise in academia. Now, if you have the book or you plan on getting it, I'm at the bottom of page 266, and I'll be going up to the very top of page 267. And I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, let's say, quote, I also taught her to use her fingers to tap a sequence of acupressure points on various parts of her body, a practice often taught under the name EFT, or Emotional Freedom Technique, which has been shown to help patients stay within the window of tolerance and often has positive effects on PTSD symptoms, end quote. So that says a lot right there, coming from Dr. Vander Kolk, who is just amazing as far as I'm concerned. He has just shared so much and done so much research all over the world with so many amazing professionals. So I'm going to kind of flip over to a book. And it's a book, but it's also, it's by Linda Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N, Also flipping back and forth between that and uh, the health line information about how you set up EFT. Because I thought, okay, what if I have some listeners out there who find this very interesting, but they're like, okay, Dana, what is this exactly? If it's so simple, how do I do it? Okay, that's what I would be asking if I were listening. And so basically this setup, you start by tapping on what's called the karate chop point. So imagine if you were to take your hand and like chop one of those boards they use in karate, uh, that that meaty part on um, the side of your hand beneath your little finger. That's your karate chop point. 
So you would basically start by tapping and just use your other hand to tap your karate chop point. Now, the next part is to bring up whatever negative emotion or problem that you want to address. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment. After that, you want to basically set up an evaluation. Um, You're going to measure it. I do this a lot with my patients when we're setting goals. Uh, It's the Subjective Unit of Distress Scale, or S-U-D-S. And it basically can range from 1 to 10 or 1 to 100. Doesn't matter. I use 1 to 10. 1 meaning you're great, okay? And 10 is it's unbearably bad. So you would assign yourself a level of of discomfort, of distress, of what you're feeling at the very beginning. And then you say the following statement. It says three times and with some conviction, and say it out loud if you can. Um, it's not necessary to say it out loud, but it's preferable. And you're going to be saying this phrase, and I'll tell you what this is in a minute, as you firmly tap on the karate chop points. Now, here's the phrase. Even though I have this, and then there's a blank, I accept myself. In that blank, you can put anything. You can put, even though I have this hatred of myself, even though I have this craving for chocolate, even though I have this uh, hatred of my neighbor, even though I have this debilitating insecurity, whatever it is, put it in there and say, even though I have this, whatever it is, I accept myself. Now, I want to take a moment here just to pause and bring up a quote that I feel like I've mentioned before in prior episodes because I love it so much. It's a quote from Carl Rogers, who is one of the forerunners in the field of psychology, And the quote is this, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. Now keep that in mind and go back to the phrasing here. Even though I have this, whatever negative thing you want to put there, whatever negative emotion or problem that you need to address, even though I have this fill in the blank, I accept myself. Now, I'm going to disclose something of what I did just to kind of test this out after listening to Ann Hintz tell her story, and also after having my rather uneventful experience at my continuing education workshop of tapping and feeling absolutely nothing. But keep in mind that when I was at the workshop, we weren't saying this phrase. Of course, you couldn't say something like that when you're in the room full of a bunch of other professionals. I mean what you would have to say would be pretty self-disclosing. I mean, you would be quite vulnerable sharing something that you need to share in that, in that blank with other people around you that could hear you. It's not likely that you would cough up something like that, but you would if you were alone. And so I sat there and got to thinking about what I wanted to put in that blank. And what I came up with was this feeling that I have periodically when I feel like a patient needs something from me, whether it's some kind of knowledge or some kind of experience or insight or epiphany or something 
they need something from me so they can heal. And I don't feel like I have it. I freaking loathe that feeling. (laughs) Fortunately, it doesn't happen much. And when it does, I just accept it and I move on and just kind of let it be part of the therapy process. But that was what I used. I said something like, even though I have this fear that I'm not going to be able to give a patient what he or she needs from me, I accept myself. And as I said that, I literally, and I'm not joking, and this might sound odd for people that don't know me very well, but I'm just generally not much of a crier. I'm not overly emotional. Um, There are reasons for that, (laughs) which I'm not going to go into today. But I generally tend to be more logical, more pragmatic. Crying is not one of my first go-tos in terms of an emotional response. But I'm telling you, as I sat there in my office trying to understand this emotional freedom technique and sort of vet it for myself, because certainly I was going to vet it before I did a podcast on it. It sounded like it did wonderful things for Anne Hintz, and so her word was good for me. So I sat in my office, and I opened these books up, and I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's decide we're going to allocate some time and learn about this. And I sat there, and as I said that statement, see, that's not what, we didn't do that in the workshop. We were simply tapping on the meridian points. But as I said that statement, even though I had this fear that my patient is going to want something from me that I'm not going to have, that I don't know, something I can't give them, I accept myself. I literally started crying. Shocked me to death. I'm like, what is going on here? I felt it welling up within me. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't appreciate that very much. (laughs) I guess I just don't like crying. But I thought, okay, if I'm going to commit to this, I have to be open. I have to just let things happen as they need to happen. And so I let it happen. And I literally cried. I thought, oh my gosh, this is just wow. And so naturally, for the sake of uh, replication, I let a few days pass and I tried it again because I'm like, you know, was that a fluke? Maybe that day I was just unknowingly kind of emotional because of something else that might have been going on in my life. You know, maybe that was just a fluke. So I tried it again and the exact same thing happened. So I'm like, wow, okay, I understand this. This seems like it's credible to me individually. Obviously, there's been research done, um, and it's been credible to people who have done the experiments and such, but I needed to vet it for myself personally, certainly before I was going to do a podcast episode on it. So I think that phrasing, before you even do any of the meridian points, of course, you're doing your karate chopping, you're, do, you're tapping the karate chop point on your hand, but saying that statement, and you need to come up with something yourself. As you're listening to this episode, think of something in your life, some, some area of distress. Um, I could say something like, <laughs> even though I have this desire to throat punch the slow driver in front of me on the interstate, I accept myself. <laughs> I just psychologically, I just love the whole, the acceptance that we're going to be honest 
about what we feel. And I do talk to people who say that they hate themselves. And so whatever it is about you, whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever it is that you feel distressed about, put it in the blank. Even though I have this whatever, I accept myself. And while you're saying that, you are tapping the carotid chop points on your hands. Now that is called the setup. So once that setup is complete, then you're going to put your index and your middle finger together. And then using the tips of those fingers, you're going to tap about seven times or so on each of the meridian points. Now let me take a moment and kind of explain where the meridian points are. You can very easily Google the meridian tapping points, but I'm just going to tell you kind of briefly where they appear to be based on this diagram that I'm looking at. Because again, I am certainly not putting myself out there as some expert in emotional freedom technique, because I'm not. So basically, there's a place at the very top of your head where you would tap, just right at the top. And then there's a place that's on the inside of the eyebrow, basically the beginning of the eyebrow. That's, an, that's the next point. And then there's another point on the side of your eye, either the left or the right eye. It's that bony part of the eye socket right at the corner of your eye. And of course, you have to be careful. Don't, get, don't be tapping on your eyeball, okay? <laughs> Make sure you stay on that bony part on the outside of your eye. Then you go under the eye. Uh, you're still on the bony part. It's like the eye socket, okay? You're still on the bony part, but you're under your eye. That is that, let's see, that's the fourth meridian point down. And then after that, you have another one that's under your nose, just on top of your lip there. And then you have another one that is on your chin, kind of like midway between your chin and the bottom of your lower lip. Then you have a place that is like at the beginning of your collarbone, sort of like where your breastbone and your collarbone and your first rib meet. Sort of like beside your, th your throat. There's like a little U-shaped there where you swallow down, where, where it's bony. And then under there, there's something called the sore spot. S-O-R-E, sore spot. I don't know why it's called that, but it is. It's basically that if you find that U-shaped notch at the top of your sternum that I was just mentioning, then from the top of that notch, you go down about three inches toward your navel and then over three inches toward your shoulder. And that's called the sore spot. And then there's also the place that's under your arm, about four inches below your armpit on either side. And that's about it. That's enough, huh? That's a lot. But I think if you got used to it and you just, again, you're putting your index and your middle finger together, kind of like gluing them together, and then you're just tapping about seven times or so as you go down. Now you're tapping firmly, but you don't want to like bruise yourself or anything like that. And it says most of the tapping points do exist on both sides of your body. And it says it doesn't matter whether you tap on the right side or the left, or if you switch sides during the sequence. It says you can tap under your right eye, and then later in the sequence you can tap under your left eye. It doesn't really matter. 
So I will back up and say, before I continue to explain this, meridian points, because I've heard that phrasing before, that terminology, but I, to be honest, didn't really know what they were. Didn't really, again, take the time to educate myself about meridian points. If you happen to know what those are, then kudos to you. That's awesome. You were ahead of me. Basically, it's kind of based on a concept from Chinese medicine, where these points are thought of as pathways through which our body energy flows and imbalances in these these energy pathways are thought to influence disease and sickness. And the tapping of these meridian points is thought to restore the balance. Okay? So... You go back to the tapping, like I said, and as you tap on the points, it's necessary for you to keep your mind tuned to the issue that you're trying to resolve with EFT. And that goes back to that that statement, even though I have this blank, I accept myself, okay? So let's say like Ann Hintz gave an example of she did hate herself at some point. And so she would say, even though I hate myself, I accept myself. And so as she would continue tapping down from her head to around her eye, to the chin, to the collarbone, to all the way down, as she continued to tap each area about seven times or so, she would repeat that phrase, even though I hate myself, I accept myself. So you have to marry those two things together, the tapping with the phrasing. And then you basically go, like I said, from the head to the face, down the body, gently tapping on the points as you say your reminder phrase. And then usually what's helpful, Anne brought this up as well, is re-evaluating your uh, suds level. Now, keep in mind, this is not something that is going to give you some kind of magic bullet and you're going to tap a series once saying a phrase and then you're going to be magically cured. Because I feel like if that were the case, then EFT would be raging or has would have raged across the entire world like some kind of wildfire on crack. Um, that's not the way that works. But what you need to notice is how does your distress level, which is measured, like I said earlier, from 1 to 10, how is your distress level adjusting? Once you say this phrase, even though I, whatever, I accept myself. And as you go through the tapping, and then you do it, you know, several times a day, day after day, and you might change up your phrasing, but get in the habit of knowing where your meridian points are, getting, the, getting in the habit of catching something when it's bothering you, when you feel like something's really kind of stuck in there and it's negative and it's pulling you down, it's burdening you, then identify it, put it in your statement and say that statement out loud. You know, even though I fill in the blank, I accept myself while you're tapping your meridian points and then reassess your subjective unit of distress level from one to 10 when you're finished. And keep in mind, this is something that you would just practice to do over time. 
And like I said earlier, research does indicate that it has a positive impact. So you certainly are not wasting your time doing something silly that no one has even researched. So that is really all I have to share today. I just really wanted to take some time and sort of unpack the emotional freedom technique a little bit more in terms of the practicality of how to do it so that myself as well as you all can start to put this into motion and really uh, hopefully experience some positive benefits from this. If you have heard anything today that you felt has been helpful, then I would really appreciate you sharing it, sharing it with friends, family, coworkers, whoever, sharing it by word of mouth, sharing it by putting it on whatever uh, social media platform is preferable to you, whether you prefer uh, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, it just goes kind of goes on and on to just really get it out there and share with one another and build our Phoenix and Flame community. I hope that you are having a fabulous day. And this is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.